0: The Women of Color STEM Conference presents Act Like a CEO, Think Like a Leader. Top leaders get real about gender, leadership, and perception, a professional development seminar. Featuring Cyber Technology Officer for the United States Marine Corps Force Cyberspace Command, Renata Spinks. Engineering Project Manager for Apple Incorporated, Cora Richardson, and CEO of Ascent Small Business Promotion, LLC, Tisha Hammond. Be strong in the workplace? Wait, not too strong. Be assertive? Wait, that's aggressive. For every piece of advice a women leader receives, there's an equal and opposite reaction. This seminar brings leaders together to share perceptions, management challenges, and leadership strategies. Leaders speak up and share candid thoughts for getting results and overcoming stereotypes and barriers. If information is power, this seminar is your source. Without further ado, the Women of Color STEM Conference presents, act like a CEO, think like a leader. Top leaders get real about gender, leadership, and perception, a professional development seminar featuring Renata Spinks, Cora Richardson, and Tisha Hammond.
1: Thank you for your patience. We're ready to engage and empower each and every one of you. You are in the correct room. This is act like a CEO, think like a leader. Um, Even if you weren't intending to stay, you will stay after we finish this conversation. You'll understand, you chose correctly. I am very blessed and honored to present to you two wonderful leaders in our community who are here to discuss with you their input their their resources and their knowledge in helping you to think like a leader in your life. From my far left, I'd like to present to you Tisha Hammond. She's affectionately called the small business cheerleader for the energy and attitude shown to those who are experiencing growing joys and pains of entrepreneurship. Her signature business consulting series, Let Me Tell You What I Wish I'd Known, has moved the needle in business, ranging from online clothing boutiques to brick and mortar healthcare franchises with various brands in between. Her online Ascent Preparatory Academy for Entrepreneurs is the result of a demand for virtual self-paced training and consulting. As a federal contractor and use of electronic invoicing for client partners, she is a fan of e-commerce and fintech. To my direct left is Ms. Renata Sphinx. Currently, she serves as the Cyber Technology Officer in the U.S. Marine Corps Forces Cyberspace Command, the first in the federal government and the U.S. Marines. In this role, Ms. Sphinx leads technology planning and cyberspace technical concept development with solution delivery for offensive and defensive cyber operations. She also leads the mission to secure, operate, and defend USMC Enterprise Network. She is an avid community service contributor and life experience coach. She coaches women, men, and youth in the holistic pursuit and achievement of their purpose. She is still very, ex- and very involved in programs that combat domestic violence, human trafficking, and child exploitation audience, please welcome Tisha and Renata. So to dig in, the first thing that made me very curious with the title of this this, um, discussion today, act like a CEO, think like a leader. Tell me from your personal experience, why you feel it's important that we each can act like a CEO and think like a leader.
2: Absolutely. So uh, good afternoon, everyone. Um, After spending 21 years in federal law enforcement and civil rights advocacy, I had an opportunity to be managed by a lot of different individuals and to learn a lot of different management styles and to work with hundreds and sometimes over a thousand colleagues at a time, depending on the location here or abroad. And it became clear to me, thank goodness for mentoring by some more experienced people, that I could be in control of my own career. And that although there were career paths set before me, those weren't the only avenues that I had to excel. At the same time, it became clear to me that there were individuals in the organizations that I'd worked in that had titles, but I didn't see them as leaders. Mm -hmm. And though they made really, great paychecks and held a lot of influence over people's careers I didn't aspire to be like them and so I learned that I could forge my own way and make decisions based on the expertise and experience that I had and sometimes just hope for the best so I tried very hard to drive my career from early on in those days and I've carried that over into being the president of my own company
1: amazing amazing for you Renata
3: um, good afternoon, thank you all for coming. Um, I think i 'll piggyback on you know some of what uh, Tisha is saying, uh, but i 'll come from a different angle So the CEO of a company is the person who's ultimately responsible for the success, and some people like to call it failures. I like to say lessons learned mm-hmm. um, and then there's this thing we like to talk about, which is the bottom line so Um, When a business is failing, usually the CEO is the first person who is looked at um, on a basketball team, which I I love to play basketball. When the teams are losing, often the general manager looks at the coach. So I come from that accountability perspective. So being the CEO of your life is you are responsible and accountable for the direction that you take your life according to the purpose that God has for you. Um, and there's a lot there, there because sometimes we are still seeking purpose, um, and gleaning from what, what direction we should be going. But that's the way I think of it. Mm-hmm. Um, growing up in it and having the challenges of kind of being the only person in the room that looks like me, um, often facing challenges by, um, Places where you know there's challenges that's going to come from, but also challenges from where you don't expect it. Um, you have to. I learned you have to stay focused on what your bottom goal is. What's your bottom line? What is your revenue? And for me, if it's not bringing value to my life, then it's taking value away. So that, that's sort of what the CEO of your life is for me. Um, that has caused me to um, be very deliberate in the goals that I pursue who I interact with, um, standing side by side, as well as leading in front, reaching back to pick others, you know, and bring them along. All of that to me is part of being that chief executive officer of your life. And in order to do that effectively,
1: you have to think like a leader versus the title. I love it. Your, Your words resonate with me deeply, as I truly believe that in this life, it's a journey. It's a journey to happiness. And having values help you maintain your journey. In your experience, what do you think your strengths are that make you better leaders?
3: Yes. Um,
4: yes. Uh-huh.
1: So,
3: you know, this is a safe space. We're going to say that we didn't say that at first. This is a safe space. So, my my um um, I think it's one sentence for me. I am a woman of God. Mm-hmm. And that's enough. So I think if that is the forefront of, you know, always doing the right thing, even when no one is looking mm-hmm. and knowing whose you are and being comfortable with displaying that at every opportunity, even within the corporate America or you know, your professional choices, I've come to understand, know, and wholeheartedly believe that as long as I am pleasing whose I am and the purpose that I know I have in life, then everything else is naught, and everything else is un- unapologetic.
2: Is I like that. I like that, and of course that. Uh, <laughs> and in addition, I've given birth to a child, and that hurt me enough. There's nothing more that can hurt me, you know. Than <laughs> more than uh, so physically strong. Um, in addition to that, I see people before I see dollar signs in my company i see the heart before i see the bottom line that might hurt me over time Mm -hmm. that's that might be why i hire a manager versus doing some things in my own business but seeing the heart of someone i think is is my first strength and really relating on a human level to the next person to their experiences to their family situation we may or may not talk about if there's a work-life balance that we have here on this pal- panel, but certainly I understand there are times that my employees are gonna to come to me and I'm not prepared necessarily for what they're gonna tell me or how their life situation may disrupt our operation, but being able to have continuity and clear thinking and understand that it's not the end of the world because we have to adapt here and there. Seeing people first, I believe, is one of my That's biggest strengths. Right.
1: That is beautiful. I, I wholeheartedly agree with both of you <laughs> um, and, and one of the things I, I do want to, to reemphasize as Renata said, um, one of my mentors taught me early on that in everything you do, make sure you're doing the right thing. Um, you will see others in, in the corporate world, in your personal lives who are quote unquote cheating um, and, and getting over and just because you see someone else cheating doesn't mean that you cheat. Everything always comes to the light. Um, and, and this is why you must always do the, the right thing. And, and I agree in, in both of your comments and finding strength of holding on to that and holding on to your values to keep you moving in, in your careers. Um, one interesting thing I'd like to talk to you all about is we're talking from the point of view as leaders already Um, as succeeding Um, earlier in your careers, you may have faced failure. You may have had that one difficult or many difficult situations where someone tried to remind you, you are not like them. I see your wheels are turning. (laughs) Um, Would you care to show or explain to us um, a time where someone obviously was trying to hold you back or remind you of your place? and how you felt and how you were able to move on.
0: Okay. Yes.
1: So can I take Who's, this one first? Oh, oh, okay, all right. <laughs> so,
2: when I was all of 20 years old, I was in a, a badge and a uniform, carrying a gun, protecting our borders. And when I was about 22 years old, I was in an all-male office. Mm-hmm. I wasn't the only female in the unit, but I was the only one in the office. And I was the secondary .IT. person. You know, hey, I have an .IT. guy. Well, I was the .IT. lady. And uh, I was going to training to get some advanced training to learn how to back up our servers. And although I was in law enforcement, law enforcement operates successfully through people and technology. So it was important to me to learn this skill. And I was heading upstairs to training in our chief. Who had probably been um, around for 30 years by then, Um, looked very different from me, had very different life experiences from me, and of course much older. He stopped me as I was leaving the office and he said, where are you going? And first I was kind of alarmed that he didn't know where I was going. We're a small unit, I haven't kept any secrets from him. He says, where are you going? I say, I'm going upstairs to that advanced IT training that I'm supposed to be in, in a few minutes. And he said, why would they want you there? And we had a standoff um, in this office. And, and back then, when you wanted to settle something in our office, we would ask one another to take our badges off and meet outside. Mm. Kind of like on school ground. You want to fight after school at three o'clock? I invited my chief to come with me outside. And I was 22, so I I didn't really have the emotional intelligence that I have today. Um, And I wouldn't necessarily do that that way. But in that moment, I felt if I didn't stand up for myself as being the only woman in the office, that he was gonna do something similar like that again, make a Mm -hmm. comment like that again in front of my male colleagues and really discount that I should be there. And I reminded him, I've been through the same training you've been through. Mm-hmm. There, there is, the difference between us is that you currently have more experience and make more money. One day I may be in your shoes, maybe not, but I'm going to that training. And unless you tell me otherwise, I'm going. And, and later on, as I became a supervisor and a manager, he was more supportive. And I think it was because, you know, something, you just have to nip some stuff in the bud, in the bud. right away rather than let that fester. And I couldn't let that fester. Yes.
4: Yeah.
3: So I don't know where to begin. Um, yeah, I really don't. What what sticks out the most to me was probably the aha moment of when I did not stand up for mm-hmm. myself. Um, we oftentimes talk about the times we, d- we experienced it and we stood up for ourselves. But I want to talk about when I did not, when I was afraid, when I was very intimidated, when I allowed the fear that, um, you know, we are told not to allow to stagnate me and to stare at the problem. So that's the story I want to tell you about. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew what I was experiencing. I, I knew that I was more qualified. I was actually executing most of the responsibilities at a, um, at a high level. And when it came time to present to the secretaries and to present to um, you know, very dignified personnel, I was the person that was presenting, but when it came time for my yearly evaluation, I got a METS, which mm. is MET Expectations. So some people get happy about meets expectations. Um, not me. I, I, I am an exceeds uh, expectation person. I set the bar very high, especially when I hold myself to the same high degree of standards and responsibility. So. When I sat down and I received this METS expectation and it was presented to me like, you did great. You know, here, are all, you know, I was getting all the accolades, but at the end it was METS. And, you know, I, I didn't sign it. I had, I had military background, so I did not acknowledge receipt mm-hmm. because I felt like that would be the same thing as concurrence, even though you tell me it's not. So um, I did refuse to sign, but I didn't tell him, I was refusing to sign, I said I needed to go to the ladies room. Mm-hmm. He he excused me and I just didn't come back to the meeting. <laughs>
4: um,
3: no, no joke, I, okay. I went to the IT um, help desk center and I started talking to someone about the security of an application and I act like I had gotten so bogged down with work that I forgot that I was supposed to go back and have a conversation. <laughs> That was the best I could do at that moment, because the only strength I had in me was the very thing that I was being treated differently about, which is he will, he will have to let me go to the bathroom.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, less than a year later, someone else was hired, someone else was brought in and was given the same position as me, the same title and the same position. And when it happened, I was taken back. My feelings was hurt. And I talked to a mentor who was within the office and and she looked at me and she said, what did you expect? And I said, well, he just can't hire someone and they come in, they're doing my job. And she said, what do you expect? You didn't do your job. And I was, no, I did my job. I did this, I did that. I start kind of rolling off all of the things that were listed in my commitments and the expectations that had been set. And she said, that's not the job that I'm talking about. And I said, I don't understand. And her name was Tamara. And she said, "Um, no, God told you that in order to flex that muscle. He put you in this situation because you're the one who said, I want to be given more responsibility. I want people to see that I'm ready to lead. And the second you were given that opportunity, you cowered.
4: Mm.
3: That was life changing to me as a GS 11. And I committed that day to never cowering. Three years later, Um, different things occur. And I started the steps of standing up for myself. And Tisha's going to talk a little bit about that Mm -hmm. in a a moment Mm -hmm. with the equal employment opportunities and within the federal government and and speaking to intake specialists to help you understand not how to file a case, but to help you understand what's occurring, what opportunities are there, what what laws help protect you? Mm-hmm. I didn't have any of that information. In the Army, we weren't taught those kinds of things. We were given the opportunity to learn about it. But in the Army, it was your that's your battle buddy, and you, you move forward. You rare, I rarely dealt with um, what I was dealing with in the federal government at that time. So I learned a lesson of standing up for myself. Mm-hmm. I learned multiple lessons as I started to stand up for myself. Um, most of it was based on knowledge, but also emotional intelligence of knowing When it's a battle, when it's a war, and even when it's a war, you don't have to go, you know, what we call ham on on people. You know, there are many, many ways to where you don't ask them to go outside and meet you on the playground. (laughs) Um, But there is meeting on the playground in your own manner. Um, And and so I call that fighting with words and punching you with the spirit. So... um, so that, that was when I didn't stand up for myself, and, and it, it, it actually changed, uh, changed the way I handled things. It made me a seeker of not just being very technical, but I started to, to actually have to learn how to communicate. You know, how do you lead from behind? It, it was so many things that I realized was a gap. I knew within me I knew I wanted to be a leader, but I did not have the tools that I needed at that time to deal with the um, controversy or the challenges that are the, the setbacks yes. that I was going to encounter on the journey. So
1: hopefully that was, an- I hope that answered your question. No, that was fantastic. You've spoken to so many points now. We're, <laughs> so we're going to take them apart. One thing that I, I, I completely respect to everyone in the room, we're at different stages in our career. And so you're correct. When you're new to the corporate world, when you're when you're new uh, on your first job, you don't realize the power that you have yourself as an employee. Um, You do feel like your managers, the, the directors, the vice presidents hold all of the power and you're not taught what your tools are. You're not taught how to, to upsell in a situation. I only learned about elevator pitch maybe five years ago. Um, and so you're right, there is, there is this seeking and there is this knowledge that goes beyond your, your school books and how to handle yourself in corporate America. Um, I know for myself back at Cupertino, I tell lots of people about my two masks um, and the way that I behave outside of work and the way that I conduct myself at work. Um, And I I think it's important to understand how to stand up for yourself, how to be on the offense and the defense with your words. And and I'm gonna go back again to sales pitch. For me, there's a lot of getting buy-in from my speaker in understanding the point of view that I'm coming from to help take them onto the way I'm thinking and the way for my process. I want to I dig in a bit about what you're, you, you were relating to for Tisha when it comes to equal opportunity um, and, and what it means for each of us in the workforce, as diverse as we are in this room. Um, can you tell me more about your fight for equal opportunity in employment? Yes. Sure.
2: Mm-hmm. So there are uh, this recurring theme that we talk about nowadays is diversity and inclusion and equity. Mm-hmm. And that's necessary, that's wonderful, we need it. In addition to that, and separate from it, is equal employment opportunity. And that is regulated, that has federal oversight, that has steps and some consequences attached to pursuing ways to help in your workforce, in your workplace. So for myself, the. Last half of my career before I started my company was a civil rights advocate, an equal employment opportunity specialist and reasonable accommodation coordinator. Mm -hmm. So essentially I am the person that an employee or applicant for employment would come to if they believed they'd been discriminated or needed a reasonable accommodation based on a disability or religious need at work. And what I found in those hundreds and hundreds of discussions with applicants and employees was what appeared to be a level of miscommunication, mm-hmm. which I, so to me, life kind of hinges on communication and leadership, work life, at least mm-hmm. leadership and perceptions lead to grievances and complaints, misperceptions lead to those kinds of things when people don't fill in the blanks mm-hmm. for someone else. So many of those discussions that I had with complainants or grievance seemed to be because someone would not fill in the blank for them and simply tell them why they gave a met expectations but highlighted everything that they did in that, that year mm-hmm. or would not clearly, or to someone else's satisfaction, tell them why someone else was put in that job or why they were taken from that cubicle and moved to another floor in the office or, or why they were, whatever the case is, So I say all that to say there were plenty of people who would contact me privately, wanting to speak off the record. You know why? Retaliation. They're scared of being retaliated against. Exactly. And so I would meet people at six in the morning at McDonald's if they asked. I would meet people at six in the morning in my office before the people they knew flooded into the workplace because they needed a safe place to to speak at. And the point that I'm trying to get at is when someone puts a chilling effect on your right to be protected in the workplace, that makes people do one of two things. Hide and not face the music or confront the situation head on and manage the ramifications in some kind of structured process, and those processes are in place to protect.
1: I have a question for you. Given that there is this gap, you you all mentioned it before. One thing is the title. <laughs> it's completely different for the leader. How do we help management fill in the gap? How what is your suggested framework for improving managers, um, directors, VPs in in avoiding this miscommunication with their directs giving feedback.
2: Yeah. So in my experience, mm-hmm. in our EEO office, we hired a assistant director or deputy director. And typically some people tend to make you feel like they have a closed door policy. Some say they have an open door policy. For me in the workplace, if there was a door and I needed to speak to you, that door didn't exist to me. I want to talk to you, and why are you any different than anybody else Mm -hmm. that I shouldn't talk to you, especially if I'm the person that provides you trends and outlooks on things happening in the agency. And so at the very first opportunity that I had to meet this deputy director, I invited him to my office from Washington, D.C. to Detroit. I asked him to have a seat and I told him a story about two different workplaces. One was in France and one was in America. And I explained to him that a CEO in France made a decision three weeks in advance to lay off a third of the workforce and not tell them until the day of. And the day that he made that announcement, he was promptly dragged into the street, his clothing was shredded, and he was humiliated. And those people who lost their jobs Still lost their jobs, um, but they felt that that was important to do that. And I explained to him in America, when a CEO makes a decision to lay off a third of their workforce, they prepare the employees Mm -hmm. weeks in advance, offer shares from their own salary and compensation, because life has to continue and people have to have a meaningful way to go on. And I explained to him that he could be one of two CEOs. And he asked me, he was sitting here, I was sitting here, and he said, are you threatening me? And I said, sir, why would I do that? You're my deputy director. I wouldn't threaten you. I'm preparing you for this office and this position. Because not too many people are going to sit here and tell you the truth about what you've gotten yourself into. But you can count on me to do that. And he experienced some pretty savage behaviors, Mm -hmm. even against himself in the office. Mm -hmm. And he would reach back to me every once in a while and confirm and and let me know that, yes, this was the reality, that people are pretty savage when they want to be. But I asked him in advance, before he went back to DC, to remember humanity in every decision he made about our office. Mm -hmm. Because we came to work every day, equipped and ready to carry an incredible workload so that he would get the recognition and to remember if he was going to rate us, mm-hmm. that we were all excellent. Mm-hmm. And to remember if he was going to give us feedback that he needed to present both sides of the issue and that he needed to share this information with his subordinate managers who managed us.
1: That is fantastic. So open door. Open <laughs> door, Open door. Any door. An excellent team and be open to feedback and feedback on both sides. Yes. That is beautiful. That is absolutely beautiful. Renata, yes. So so I want to have a little
3: conversation about those who are the recipients of this gap of leadership mm-hmm. or these um, breakdowns in communication. And the thing I like to call the chameleon, mm-hmm. where we try to make it look like it isn't because you are female or because you are an African-American woman or because you're Asian or even because you're Caucasian, whatever the reason is that you feel mistreated. And and I know this is a women of color conference, but males are discriminated against as well. So let's kind of expand the conversation Mm -hmm. to when you are just being treated unfairly. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: At the end of the day, the largest thing that stops you from growing, whether that's to the next promotion whether that is the next successful project, growth that is defined by you when you are being mistreated is stagnating. Mm -hmm. It is demoralizing and it is very, very, very hard to get over Mm -hmm. if you or get through if you don't have two things, the consciousness and the support. Mm -hmm. Most people think that I'm gonna say courage. Mm -hmm. No, it is not having the courage. There is one thing about courage that we often, at least as in my experience coming up through technology, through, you know, budget processes, you name it, just the many challenges of getting, you know, the accomplishments of the goals I set for myself. There's one thing that has always been very important to me, and that was having a support group. Mm-hmm. I always had someone, whether that was I met them at Bea, whether I met them at women of color, whether it was a male or a female, because I have a support group that is of both, absolutely male, absolutely female, from all races and religions and creeds. And the reason is because it brings a diversity of thought and it's a diversity of experience where I say, I I made a statement or I did this thing, How would that make you feel? And oftentimes I get feedback that I haven't expected and it helps me understand why I may be being treated that way. And because I have that support group that I deliberately created and that I deliberately am honest with so I can get their honest feedback, then after increasing my vocabulary, after listening to lots of podcasts and finding ways to communicate without saying anything,
0: you're listening to Act Like a CEO, Think Like a Leader. Top leaders get real about gender, leadership, and perception. A professional development seminar featuring Renata Spinks, Cora Richardson, and Tisha Hammond. Brought to you by the Women of Color STEM Conference, uniting women in STEM by continuing the Press for Progress. Be sure to check out our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.
3: One of my favorite books that I use in the workplace is called How to Repair Your Marriage Without Talking. Mm. So being in the workplace, you are married, let me tell you. (laughs) Everyone you work with is your husband or your wife. And let me tell you why I think of it that way. That person spends so much time with you that you get to know that person's children their patterns of behavior when they're having a bad day when they're not having a bad day i've been married before and although i'm divorced when i when i think about it that same amount of time that you're spending is the same type of a commitment that you make when you are when you are married and those feelings of fear those feelings of regard for how that other person is going to feel whether you don't want to hurt their feelings or you're scared they're going to do something to you, all that happens in relationships. So I read that book, How to Repair Your Marriage Without Talking, because many of the tools that it talks to you about in that book, when you're saying, you know, your spouse, from body language to them having a bad day and their perceptions, things that they are focused on that you may be disregarding All of those things are important when you start to interact with your manager. Mm -hmm. I have employees that, you know, I have Marines that are coming in off of tons of different kinds of experiences. Mm -hmm. And it is incumbent upon me to know that it could just be that there is something else happening when that person is not performing. So I, as a leader, have to make sure that my consciousness is so clear and welcoming that that person can communicate to me and then you have to be able to communicate in effective manners so making sure that even when you are afraid that is the best time to be very 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 articulate Mm -hmm. in what you're trying to say because you're already afraid you're already reticent on the difficult conversation you're going to have to have but we cannot stay silent that is one thing we cannot do and so It's, you know, we want to make sure we're giving the tools as we talk about these experiences that even if you're not a manager yet, when you get there, there's even more things to learn. But in order to get to a manager or a team lead or a project lead, an executive, a director, all those titles that imply major responsibilities, you have to learn some of the things that we have already learned. We didn't master them. You know, let me point that out and be very clear. But there's lessons that you learn along the way. And one of them I want to make sure that I share with you all is read a lot. Mm -hmm. Because reading is not only fundamental, but it shows you many different ways to communicate. And you will find yourself naturally not looking at it as I have to stand up for myself. I have to, I have to, I have to. It just becomes I need to communicate with that person. I need to tell that person how what they are doing has made me feel. And when you say that, you get one of two responses. One, it's either a corrective behavior, whether it is deliberate, whether it is voluntarily, whether it is immediate or or long term, or you get an unchanged behavior and a response that lets you know the devil you're dealing with. Mm Either way, you want to communicate so you can figure out what you're dealing with so then you can respond. and and you know that could have been harsh and, and I'm not trying to be you know religious on anyone, but that's that's where you got to know what you're dealing with so that you can know how to respond. And in order for you to be successful, whatever your success is defined as, whatever that looks like, whatever role you are playing, you have to be able to communicate and have the wherewithal to know how to do so, so that you can get what it is you're looking for.
1: Yes, I, I completely agree. There is, in, in, in matter of communication, especially in the situation where you're feeling that you are not empowered, um, that you feel that you may be bullied, maybe you're being unjustly judged. Um, I have seen a lot of breakthrough myself and it's, it just comes with experience um, in understanding motivation and intent. Of the speaker, um, and and one of the biggest breakthroughs for myself um, is one of my managers back at Apple. And every week, the one-to-one dreading going to my one-to-one and feeling that I wasn't enough in in doing my job. I was I was the DRI for a project, and I was recreating reports and recreating reports, and he wasn't sending it up to executive level, and just kept redrafting it. And it basically got down to one afternoon of just being honest with my feelings, not about what I was doing, but what I was feeling. And I and I spoke to him and I said, I'm not quite sure what else is needed, but I feel like I'm failing. And I need your assistance to help me succeed. I refuse to fail. I allowed myself to be vulnerable Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. with my manager. It was the best breakthrough I've ever had. He turned to me, he stopped, he put away his phone and he looked to me and he said, that is not what I intended. It is not what I intended for you. I see your potential and I know you can do more. And in his mind, it was his way of inspiring me to be better at my job when I felt that I was being bullied. And he took the time to take out the same report and explained to me the audience of my report, what was needed and how to actually predict what would be needed in my report to the executive um, executive team. I believe the following week I recreated my report and it was the first time it was sent up to a VP. This is four months of recreating this report. You have no idea how good it felt, but you have to allow yourself to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. I think there's, for me personally, I think there's so much of me of being black and being different and the person not looking like you in the room that you're scared to just say, I need help. And in this case, I completely agree with you. Either the person will show themselves and show themselves to be a good manager or a good leader, or if not, you'll see exactly who you're dealing with. You you will know, but at least you have this opportunity for conversation. And I com- it completely resonates with me with what you're saying of just being honest at times of just not what I'm doing here, but how you make me feel mm-hmm. when when you speak to me and so understanding motivation and intent. Yes,
3: I, I think it's also important for us to highlight that it really is about you. Mm-hmm. It is very easy to point the finger at what this person did not do, or this person did not say, or this person did not tell me. Um, I, I am tooting my own horn when I say that because I went through a cycle of, well, he didn't do this, or he should have told me that. Um, and so I'm, I am grateful for women of color. I'm grateful for Bea. I'm grateful for the people I have met along the way who taught me those things and gave me opportunities to be mentored and, and to learn from um, the experience that's surrounded by us, by you know people who have gone before us. The Tisha's, um, the Patricia's, there's so many people here. So I just urge you to connect as much as possible with all of the love and, and, and experience that's surrounded by you at this very conference all the time. Because we can sit up here and we can give you all these tools and all these great data points. And we can tell you all these things that are required for you to be successful, but you're leaving out of here. And when you leave out of here, how do you keep the momentum going? How do you start to instantiate what you're being taught? We have to build the support channel. You have to reach out and show yourself vulnerable to say, I need help in these areas. And mentoring is a two way street, yes, it is. you know, yes. you would be surprised how much help you are to the person who's mentoring you. And then it becomes a relationship yes. and it becomes something so wonderful that the conversations um, like when the first time I talked to Tisha, it was I am so sorry I was supposed to call you like one day and I didn't call her. And we ended up she texted me and said, you know, she didn't say you didn't call me when you said you would. The text was, and I I just, I loved her so hard for this. She said, I think I missed you. Now, I know I didn't call her, but she said, I think I missed you. Let me know when you're available so we can sync. Um, I'll never forget it because I was walking out of the building, and I was on my way to yet another meeting, and I stopped right then, and I don't know if you remember this, but I said, I'm available now, and I ended up, I was driving somewhere, and I was like, you know, I need to just take this call right now, and I was an hour and 30 minutes in traffic, and we stayed on the phone the entire time, the very first time we spoke, and she was calling to talk about the conference and ended up helping me with the meeting that I was actually getting ready to go to. because the conversation just started to flow. In, and then I said, well, you know what? I'm getting ready to deal with that right now, and I don't have no idea how I'm gonna fix this. And it was just so impactful. But it's those kinds of connections that, you know, don't be intimidated by all this information we're giving you right now, and all these tools and techniques, and how are we gonna remember it? I hope they're <laughs> recording it so we can get the CD. <laughs> but connect, 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 and, you know, be vulnerable in the workplace according to what works for you yes and so a lot of times we don't really know what works for us because we don't get still enough to learn ourselves and and to date your own self and become your own self's soulmate so you got to do that first it's a lot of homework that you have to do you don't just walk in office and start being vulnerable. That's, that's not what we're trying to tell you. <laughs> um, but you got to learn yourself and you got to know that in this situation, this is what works yes. for me. In this situation, mm, I don't know. And um, I'm going to hush in two seconds because I know Tisha has some, some input on this part. But if you don't know what to do and you can't yet get to that support group to have that conversation or whatever has been working for you, be still my child and wait. Mm-hmm. That has always worked for me. Be still my child and wait. Because if you just be quiet for two or three seconds, either that person is going to fill the space with words or that will allow you enough time to either gather yourself to say, you know what, I'm going to have to come back to you. I need to think about that. It just gives you an out. So as you're learning yourself, as you're defining your purpose and making sure that your goals line up to what you think your purpose is and some of the things that you are set out for your life, as you're doing those things, come up with some canned responses for when you're feeling uncomfortable so that you can give yourself an out, so that you don't have to be vulnerable because you're thinking back to women of color. <laughs> they said be vulnerable, and so right now I probably should be vulnerable, but I don't know how to really express. If you start doing that, then that evaluation is now telling you that you are not ready to disclose how you're feeling at that time. So I'm gonna hand it off to Tisha because you know being the cheerleader, you know yeah. being the cheerleader of small businesses and people in general, Um, What are some of the things, and I know we said we're going to take some questions and stuff, but what are some of the things that as we're, you know, giving out all this information, all these great things, what are some of the things that they they can do to help ready themselves to instantiate some of the things we're talking about?
2: All right. Well, number one, uh, the first thing that comes to mind is remember that you don't need a title Mm -hmm. to lead something. And oftentimes when your colleagues, your friends, your family are reminding you or describing you as the leader of the home or the team lead, or I really like how you keep our group together. When you're hearing those kind of comments, people are hopefully fanning a flame that's already in you of someone who wants to be a leader. You don't need a title or a certain amount of money and a paycheck to be that. And I'd like to remind you that we have a responsibility, that if we have some good people skills, and you think you can do it better than the person, you know, that's, that's two ranks above you, throw your name in the hat. Mm-hmm. If, if we're talking about applications and opportunities for promotion or for transfer or to do something in a different industry that you like, why not put in for that? We could talk about statistics on how women will not apply for positions because they're not 100% qualified on paper, but our counterparts, counterparts may apply if, they're, if they meet 25% of the qualifications and they'll get mm-hmm. the job and we'll have missed every shot we did not take. So I have a theme that I carry around with me and it is, I'm not throwing away my shot.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I, I encourage you to... My college um, mentor mm-hmm. told me when I was 18 or 19. If you can dream it, you can achieve it. Now, I've seen that on posters yeah. in high school, and I'm sure guidance counselors try to tell me that. But it <laughs> took somebody else to tell me that for me to listen to them. So hopefully something that we are saying here in this room or something you've heard in this conference or from someone sitting nearby has resonated. But the fact is, if you're not visualizing yourself doing great things and expecting them for yourself, you, you may have a more difficult path to get there. And the support system, when your colleagues are like Renata, you didn't put in for that, I'm gonna <laughs> spank you. You know, you, you got mm-hmm. to hear that mm-hmm. and be reminded, oh, they have confidence in me, where's my confidence at yes. in me? Mm-hmm. I love it.
1: Before we, before we go to the floor and ask questions, one thing that definitely resonated with both of you, the first time that I realized that, um, that I was a mentor, um was at 27 years old and i'm going to talk to the fact that i didn't have a title i was just basically server administrator and a young lady in my department who was a young mother was trying to convert from contractor to permanent and she came to me showing her vulnerability how can i apply for this job what can i do and i recall coming home and talking to my sister support group saying she's asking me for all of these answers and She looks up to me and she thinks so highly of me. And at 27, I was like, I do not understand what I can do. Um, I too have faith. Um, It helps me find my voice and understanding how she saw me and what can I do with the little experience that I had to encourage her. And it really is that thing that I believe in you. I do believe that you can have this job. We are gonna meet every morning. We are going to practice Um, we're gonna rehearse questions for the interview. I'm gonna give you homework assignments so you can actually get better in this area so you can be prepared. And I worked with her for three weeks on a time just to say, you believe in me, so I believe in you. Just that simple. And yes, she did get the job. I just want to show each of you exactly what they're saying that the power is within you and is not to inspire a room Um, Or you know your your entire company. It may just be one person, at a time. Um, And
3: that kind of piggybacks off of. um, I know we're. I have the a secondary um presentation right after here (laughs) where we're talking about build up, don't tear down. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I urge you to, if you can, to make it to the next session because we're going to talk about, um, you know, not so much of perceptions and not so much about gender in the workplace, but. How do you build that support group? And mm-hmm. and and some of the things we experience when it's when we're being torn down mm-hmm. by people we expect um, to support us. Um, and so I I won't I won't dive into that okay. piece of it, <laughs> but we definitely got to build each other up. Um, and part of building each other up is the vulnerability that needs to be shown. Now, for someone to come to the microphone and ask us yes. some questions yes. <laughs> yes. about some of the things you're experiencing. Yes. Um, hopefully, we can help you out. Yes. Um, we ask that you speak into the microphone so everyone can hear you. Yes. Please tell us your name and tell us um, where you are from and, um, and then ask your question. Yes. Thanks.
4: Quebec Rosario, U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Building Strong, Army Strong. Yes. <laughs> um, I am a mechanical engineer. I okay. am a project engineer as well. And I work construction projects and manage yes. them. And my challenge is some of the contractors. We are part of a team. I'm usually the only female. <laughs> um, I manage the project, I pay them or approve their payments, and I have the technical background. So I intimidate my, most of my <laughs> male counterparts. And I, was, I, I wanted to ask you, how would you deal in such an environment, in my situation, um, and how do you bring people that are kind of against you to work with you as a team? Yes.
3: Um, so I, I I know the I word all too well. That intimidation is it is you know it is a big deal mm-hmm. um, and it's a challenge. Um, I still will I still deal with it every day now um, in different aspects. Um, I've had a great I have a great. Um, experience with the Marine Corps, contrary to what a lot of people think, because they always ask me, how is it? Um, But what I have seen help for me, when I have someone telling me they're intimidated by you, because sometimes people have to tell me, oh, they're intimidated by you. And then sometimes I can pick up on it on my own. I've done a mix of things, but the biggest thing that I think has been impactful is a tool called getting to know your team, Um, and this is going to sound really gender biased, but I'm going to say it. Most people like football, if they're male, they like basketball. So what I started to do when I saw that, okay, my team isn't really being inclusive and it was because they are intimidated is not because of something else that it could be. I actually started watching ESPN. And I started walking around them to hear what they're talking about. And I started to ask questions. I experienced this at one of the agencies um, that I was at for about four and a half, five years. And I started to say, you know, how's your wife? How's your kids? Um, And it wasn't because I was just doing it to check the box. Mm -hmm. I really wanted them to see that I care about you. I'm not like you. Mm -hmm. I'm not one of the boys. So let me be clear on that, because mm-hmm. I've been advised where well, they you need they need to see you as one of the boys or mm-hmm. or one of them. We're we're not. We're diverse Correct. for a reason. God made us this way for a reason. But we all care about something, and so if you find out what they care about and converse about it and show that is I I may not care about the same thing but it is important to me for you to understand, I care about you as a person. Mm -hmm. So they start to see you as a person, Mm -hmm. not I see you as one of us. A second technique, as you start to engage in conversations, um, I think the barrier that needs to be broken has to be done by something that they are familiar with because it is also very necessary for them to know how they make you feel. Mm So after I've learned about your, your your kids and your wife was pregnant, I'm speaking from my own experience. Um, and, you know, how did the birth go? Is the baby waking up every two hours? Are you tired? How, is, how are you adjusting? Um, who's your favorite football team? Well, my favorite basketball team, you know, is the L.A. Sparks and things like that. Then it was, you know, I'm glad I'm, glad I'm talking to you. I wanted to ask you mm-hmm how I can do better at blah, 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 even if you know you're the perfect person because you've learned or you've become an expert at that certain thing. You have to ask them, what can I do better? Because most people don't even know the behavior they're Mm -hmm. exhibiting because it comes so natural to them. The second thing is they may not know how to deal with a female. Mm -hmm. They may, you may be the first female that they've ever had as a team lead or a construction manager. So it's a lot going on there, there oftentimes. Um, I like to give people the benefit of the doubt initially. Until you show me that there's something I need to be Mm -hmm. concerned about, I am going to automatically give you positivity. Mm -hmm. I'm going to send so much positive vibes to you that even if you want to, to be negative, you won't do it that day,
4: you know, you
3: you won't do it that day because I'm going to find something that is important to you and I'm going to reach into your soul and I'm going to see what's important to you and I, it's valuable to me to show you that this project is important and part of the project is us being a team and there are no caveats to that success. So, um, Tisha.
2: Yeah, for my experience is a little bit different. So having um, been so young when I started in law enforcement, uh, the use of force continuum mm-hmm. has just been implanted in me. Mm-hmm. So for me, the way that I managed, because I have managed all male teams of law enforcement officers, at least, the approach that I took was what we were trained to do. Yes. I just simply followed my training. And, and the first thing that I could, could lean on was officer presence. Mm-hmm. When I walked in a room, I'm, I'm walking in with some surety. And before I walked around with a cell phone looking like this all day, I walked in with my head held high. Mm-hmm. My uniform was neatly pressed. I knew what I was about to assign them. They knew that there was a not, a, not a lot of room for disagreement in those moments. We're trying to protect borders here. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing anything to put someone in harm's way. Yes but certainly provide your feedback as, as you would like to, and we can have that conversation. Um, I don't believe that I could be described as intimidating. I, I believe that the people in the office that were the most difficult to manage, those were the employees assigned to me because something about our communication seemed to soften them up. And it wasn't because I was bringing in snacks and food mm-hmm, and. Mm-hmm. Trying to be the work wife. It, it mm-hmm. wasn't any of that. It yeah, was because people would be like, oh, Bob's just being Bob. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, Bob, get over here. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. Why is that okay? You know, and he'd be like, well, nobody's ever told me anything about mm-hmm. saying that before. Well, I'm, well, well, come here. Let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I genuinely, I am the one who tends to approach the person who's intimidating because I just believe it's unnecessary to Mm -hmm. behave that way. And I I like to find that soft point, which is, tell me about your grandchildren, Bob. You know, did they get off to school good this morning? When you find something personal to talk about, Mm -hmm. to relate about, um, then it's easier for them to take instruction from you sometimes.
3: Yeah, I don't see anyone else at the microphone. No, No, we have some. Okay, okay, (laughs) come on up.
2: Hi, good afternoon. Uh, My name is Jessica Ajapong. I'm a junior at Spelman College um, and I'm starting uh, my own business. Mm -hmm. And so I was wondering, like, as I'm developing my own leadership styles, because I've had leadership experiences, but like within school settings. So I wanted to know if it was better to develop leadership within like a corporate setting or within like an existing Company first and then build my business, or just jump straight into the business. Can I take this Mm -mm. one? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) There's really no need to wait to develop leadership. Mm -hmm. As you go day by day and are on the hunt for personal development, your leadership style will come. And oftentimes, you develop leadership styles based on what you don't like in a leader. Or how you don't want to be. Mm-hmm. And the things that have really drawn you to your mentors or your professors or your family, those are kind of the things that you allow to grow in you and you find your way. As, as a person who is a champion for small business development, I want you to start your small business. I want you to influence your own personal economy and then invite people to surround you in that structure mm-hmm. who can help develop things in you, who can find your strengths and make you stronger in those areas, who won't criticize your weaknesses as you're developing those, or who will encourage you to hire people who can do the things that you're a little weaker in, in mm-hmm. some places. But teamwork makes the dream work. And you don't have to go into someone else's organization to find out who you're going to be in five years. It, it will evolve naturally, but a lot of it is going to be self-initiated because you want to follow things that you think are going to be helpful in the businesses that you're trying to develop. I said plural, businesses <laughs> that you're trying to develop. This is true. This, this is
3: true.
5: Speak it into being.
3: Thank you. You're, you're welcome. welcome.
5: Hello. Uh, my name is Cesar Rivera, current junior attending Pear of AM. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm also currently a president of SHIP in my organization. And I find sometimes uh, that I don't really necessarily i'm i'm very very passionate about my organization and i have a hard time kind of delegating tasks because i just have this vision that this organization has to be the best that it can be and i just have this tunnel vision and have that time the problem incorporating those around me to help me with that so how can i like stop myself from just Mm -hmm. having that tunnel vision Mm -hmm. incorporate other people to bring that success also
2: Excellent question.
5: How do y'all want to oh, this? I thought you were going teacher. <laughs> um, that's excellent.
3: So the answer is twofold. The very first step to fixing something that's not quite right, but, you know, we don't want to call it wrong, mm-hmm. is the fact that you know this about yourself. Mm-hmm. And so, no, you know, so that's the first piece. You, you recognize it. The second thing that I would tell you is you probably don't journal, do you? You don't journal? Okay. So because you're passionate about, you said it's called SHIP?
5: Yes, Society of Hispanic Professional Engineers.
3: Oh, Oh, okay, okay. So understanding what the vision is for the organization as a whole is probably the first step. And then what works for me is writing that down, writing all the things that, need to, that you think need to be done. And then you have to have meetings with others. You have to have meetings with others and ask questions. And then this is going to sound so simple because this is more of Tisha's area. <laughs> but you just have to delegate. Yes, You just have to communicate that this is something that is new for me. I'm going to need you all's help in delegating more and and having the oversight so that you can concentrate on the things are you the president yes Mm -hmm. okay so there's a lot of things that the president has to do there's a vp there's a secretary that so these organizations have positions that have roles Mm -hmm. and responsibilities and so that's how i would approach it understanding the roles and responsibilities and and what your responsibility is and honing in on that because if you hone in on all the roles and responsibilities that are required, you will realize you cannot do everything. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to hand it to Tisha for, Mm -hmm. you know, her expertise. (laughs) Okay.
2: So we're going to equate in this instance, your presidency to being the CEO of a major corporation. Mm -hmm. Now we know that CEOs do not wear every hat, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. That's what, that's why they're the CEO. They take, Responsibility for big decisions. They shine, they get a big salary, but they're not responsible for knowing everything or doing everything, right? So think of it that way. Your vice president, is that somebody that you are compatible with?
5: Yeah, she's right there too. <laughs>
2: Where <is she>? okay. <laughs> <Vice> Hi, <laughs> this is great. So sometimes it might take the vice president to remind the president that. That's not your job. Mm -hmm. Can you do that for him? Mm -hmm. Do you do that for him? (laughs) And what does he do in return? Okay. So when he wants to do that, who's the secretary? Because we have we have a a lineup. Is the secretary here? No. Okay. We couldn't bring the whole crew. You couldn't bring the whole (laughs) thing. Okay. Is the secretary somebody that offers any resistance to you? I feel
5: like. The problem is that I want to be that leader that my peers do not hate. And oh I, my I've had experience Ooh, that it, whenever it. I'm always delegating, or yeah. I've had a president that yeah. has just been pointing the finger, you have to do this, you have to do this, and yeah. you have to do that. And it's just, it brings that vibe to the, that, oh, I don't want to do it.
1: That's you're not
2: more of that a So
1: Tisha's going to touch on it, that but there's not, a difference between a boss mm-hmm. and a leader. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's, that's what you're feeling. You're correct. Yes. You do not want to be a boss. bossy. Yes. 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 You want to be a leader. Yes. Yeah.
2: So I, I get that. Yes. I want to be liked as well, yes. but I'm okay if I make a decision, I'm okay with the consequences of that decision. Mm-hmm. It might help in your instance, if the vice president and the president tag team the delegating. Would it be easier for these decisions to come out of your mouth or from your email account. Consider those kind of things. And if you would rather just be the kind of person that wants to be liked, I would suggest that when the next term comes up for presidency, that you might even consider looking at an alternate role in the organization, because presidents and CEOs are not always the most liked people in the organization. We want to be, and it will be great to be, but that's not always reality. So when you, when you make a decision, whether it's to hold on to all these responsibilities, you're going to be able to accept those consequences. When you make a decision to let go and parcel things out and just have confidence that other people will be able to do them and that it will be a different experience than the experience that you had from that president who was like doing do this, 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 and this, you're not going to govern that way, Right. It, it did something to you, and you're going to probably turn away from that, that person. You seem to have a very genuine interest in SHIP, and I'm not certain why others wouldn't want to accept even the smallest task. So if you start small, take small steps, ask the VP for some support in delegating, you might find that you enjoy your role a lot more.
3: And, and i I can relate to the wanting to be liked yeah. or accepted or made or or for everyone to view you as part of the team and not just the president who's making the the hard decisions and responsible for the success of the organization. I relate to that um and for me I actually had that um issue with this new position that I took mm-hmm. because you know I had to get out of my own head on a couple of things, but I find that communicating the end result with everyone and backing that up with here's everything that has to be done and then communicating that I'm going to do this part, the VP is going to do this part, the secretary needs to do this part. I think if you have that roadmap that's communicated, that will help you with that buy-in that you're looking for. And it, it sounds like it'll be a mix of things depending on the situation, but... I think, I think, I think you're, you're on the right path. I that think you'll, you'll get to delegating after today because I think we're resonating a little bit with you on mm-hmm. some things, some tools you can put in place. Definitely are. When <laughs> is your next meeting?
5: Uh, we have a um, general body meeting Tuesday. Okay. So um, I'm going something... to need your
2: cell phone number so okay. I can text you <laughs> okay. and remind yeah. you
5: Tuesday morning.
2: Perfect. Sorry. So, yes,
1: we have, thank you so much for your questions. We have thank two you. minutes remaining. And before we go, there's actually exciting projects that Renata and Tisha are working on, <laughs> and I would like them to share them with you before we go. So, I do. You want to go first? Because I think you're December. It's your next big project. Okay. Yes. I'll, how uh, about you go first? Okay. How
4: about
3: you so, go first? so my big project of accountability, and I don't see my um, accountability partner in here. Um, I'm supposed to be releasing um, "Act Like a Lady, Think Like a Boss, Lady." So I, um, that will be released at BAYA 2020. Mm-hmm. So I have a book signing um, <laughs> going to be happening. And um, so that, that book is, is um, pretty cliche with act like a lady, think like a man. Uh, I'm not interested in thinking like a man. I am interested in, in talking about the totality of a woman and all that that means. So the very last chapter is the audacity to, to be you. Yeah. And so that's that's why you see this act like a CEO, think like a leader, act like a leader, think like a CEO, those type of things, because you know that's very important. So so that that's that's my project. I love it. Congratulations. <laughs>
2: I would encourage as many of you as you can to make sure that you connect with Cora because she doesn't get a chance to tell her story as the moderator Mm -hmm. of this panel. And she has an amazing background that you ought to know. Uh, My project is a a book release also, um, a daily devotional for self-employed. We have just started the fall season and this book takes you through a full season of growing in your business and your brand in the book launch will be December 22nd of this year. So
3: we just want to take some time to say thank you to Cora, oh, no. who's been phenomenal it's been as a moderator. A pleasure.
1: Um, Getting to know each of you. Mm-hmm. I am inspired. <laughs> I would like to for each of you to please help me thank Tisha and Renata for the time they've spent with us today no. and empowering
0: Thank you for listening to Act Like a CEO, Think Like a Leader. Top leaders get real about gender, leadership, and perception. A professional development seminar featuring cyber technology officer for the United States Marine Corps Force Cyberspace Command, Renata Spinks. Engineering project manager for Apple Incorporated, Cora Richardson. And CEO of Ascent Small Business Promotion, LLC, Tisha Hammond. If you have enjoyed this presentation, be sure to attend the Women of Color STEM Conference. For more information on how you, your company, or organization can take part, visit www.womenofcolor.net. For college students, contact us at 410-244-7101.